your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. We are now past the Thanksgiving holiday in the U.S., so I hope that if you were celebrating, you had a very restful Thursday and, and hopefully a decent Friday filled with plenty of online shopping and also even more... Uh, turkey leftovers, maybe an extra handful of that wonderful gravy and stuffing, or, you know, whatever it is that floats your boat. On tonight's show, I kind of wanted to extend that theme and talk about some of the things that I've been thankful for as a member of the Locked On Jets show and and ultimately a, a Jets fan. And of course, in our last show, I also mentioned that I would be doing a Greatest Playmakers episode, which we will be starting this evening. Uh, We'll talk about a couple of the most creative playmakers, either in football or in hockey. And we'll start with hockey, of course, because that's what this podcast is. It's a hockey podcast. But after that, we will move to the grassy pitches to take a look at some of the creative midfielders and attackers who maybe don't get enough credit for being as good at their job as they are. First, though, let's reflect on what it is to be thankful in this year, which I think for a lot of us, we can attest to as having been very difficult. I I think a lot of us in many capacities, in many ways, have been impacted by COVID, um, obviously by all of the state and city and and, uh, even province shutdowns. Wherever you are listening from, I'm sure that you have in some ways felt the impact of COVID and certainly just a a very difficult year for a lot of us. And I, I understand that for so many of you, it's been It's been a trying time, and so I wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in to this show and this podcast. It means the world to me that you listen to this podcast because obviously, you know, you have a very busy day, and I'm sure you have plenty of activities and things that you need to get done. So it means a lot to me when you take the time and and really just sit there and and spend a, a bit of a fireside evening with me. When I joined Locked On, I was essentially a newbie to podcasts, even though I had done a couple of guest appearances on some of the other ones, including SB Nation and a few other podcast networks. But beyond that, this was my first time hosting my own show. And it's getting closer to being about a year since I started this. So obviously, this is a really cool time. We're basically on the uh, the first anniversary of me having joined Locked On, and I'm very proud to be here. But I wouldn't still be doing this if I didn't have listeners, and that's you. And, and thank you so much for listening. I really enjoy listening to your feedback and, and checking the Twitter feed sometimes and seeing folks who uh, occasionally have questions and comments, even if I don't always agree with them. I appreciate you uh, even sitting there and, and listening to this podcast and giving your thoughts and feelings, because that's ultimately why we do this kind of stuff. We want to interact with you as fans. We love hearing from you, and we can always have disagreements or or differences in opinions, but it's always nice to kind of circle back and see how people think and feel. But uh, obviously, thank you so much for listening. I'm thankful for you. That's one of the biggest things I'm thankful for is, is just having this audience. And kind of talking about being a Jets fan, I am thankful that I, I get to be this person who gets to enjoy Winnipeg hockey. I mean, obviously, this is something that for me has has ended up being a very important part of my life. I mean, I've traveled to Winnipeg. I got to see a couple of Jets playoff games, some of the most important in franchise history. I've met everyone from some of the most diehard fans to a couple of organization members who work for the Jets. And it's been a very interesting experience getting to know folks from all different walks of life and learning a bit more about the team and the 
city of Winnipeg itself. You know, I, I come from a very blue-collar city, and so a, a lot of what I've seen in Winnipeg and heard from the folks there and experienced myself is, is very much what I've experienced living in Baltimore. In many ways, I feel like growing up as a Ravens and an Orioles fan almost feels a little bit like being a Jets fan, too, because you love this hardworking, gritty, but very skilled team that can occasionally pull off these miraculous things, um, some of which include getting close to a title. Obviously, the Jets are still kind of in the ascendancy stages of that particular journey, but we have seen plenty of attempts that have gotten even closer to reaching the summit, so I hope that one day the Jets are going to be able to do this. But so often, in terms of community work and stuff, I just feel like the Jets for me at least, have always had some really great outspoken leaders, and I'm very happy with this team in a lot of respects. There are certainly things on the ice and occasionally off the ice that do bother me, but generally speaking, this team seems to have avoided a lot of issues. We've got a very strong captain in Blake Wheeler, and so I'm thankful that he seems to be very comfortable sharing his mind and, and really thinking with an open mind and an open heart. And certainly when I got to experience Jets hockey for the first time in person, I'm very thankful to a lot of the folks who opened their hearts and their homes to me, which I, I was obviously incredibly grateful for. I would never have had that opportunity to go up there and spend time in Winnipeg without having these kind folks open their doors, their schedules, and their hearts to welcoming me in, and I felt, you know, essentially like a Winnipegger for the couple of weeks that I was there. It was one of the greatest trips I've ever had, and I'm obviously very thankful that I got to experience some very special moments in Jets history. I think so much of what has defined being a Jets fan over the past several seasons is really an eye towards what this team can be. You know, so much I've, I've criticized this team over the past couple of years because I see a future for this team where the Jets really take everything they've learned and develop it into something more, into a real cup contender. Every game you watch this team, and there are certain guys that you just feel are on the cusp of, of being part of something bigger and something greater and something that can achieve that cup dream that Winnipeg has so long dreamed for. I know that we haven't really seen the best of this team over the past couple of years, ever since the 2017-2018 uh, the season. It's It's been a bit of a rough ride, but you know I think there are seeds that... Are, eventually will grow into something more than what we're seeing now maybe even a cup winning team I, I don't know for sure I can't guarantee that but I'm thankful that I'm alive to see this and, and hopefully get to see the rise of this team into something really special I, I feel like we have the foundations of something that could one day be truly great and as a Jets fan I'm just so glad that I get to spend it you know talking about it you know on this podcast with you spending time you know 20 to 30 minutes a night shooting the breeze and thinking about how great and beautiful the sport of hockey can be as frustrating as the Jets and the NHL can be in equal measure or sometimes the NHL even more so there are no real sports like hockey that combine the sheer strength and skill and force of will that just seems to define the sport and really get your blood pumping, especially when it's the good kind of hockey and, and not the really crappy kind of hockey that a couple of teams have uh, unfortunately fallen into a habit of recently. Most certainly not talking about the Jets of this past season for at least half the year. No, no, not at all. <laughs> But joking aside, being a Jets fan has opened me to so many different experiences. I've gotten to meet so many great friends, and really, being a Jets fan is one of the best things I could have asked for. Here's to another year in Winnipeg land, and may it bring us, some way, some shape, some form, a friggin' championship title. Now that I've uh, gone a little bit sappy and waxed a bit nostalgic about being a Jets fan, I did want to move on and talk a little bit more about some of the greatest playmakers, a couple of which will be Jets. But before then, I did want to give you a heads up about a really exciting offer from our great friends at Built Bar. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you certainly know that I love all of their products. I think the Built Bar Protein Bar, which is more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft chewy interior, is fabulous. 
But it's definitely not the only thing they've got going. Built are always innovating and thinking of new ways to surprise you, and some of their products include the brand new Built Go, which is a convenient, healthy alternative to the sugary energy drinks you might be used to. And once again, the mad scientists are back with a brand new flavor of Built Bar just for the holiday season. Built Bar is welcoming white chocolate cookies and cream and white chocolate salted caramel to their venerable line of Built Bar flavors. As good as these sound, they're even better for you, with both bars coming in at around 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and between 4 and 5 grams of net carbs. You can savor the best protein bar on the planet with none of the guilt. And every purchase you make now comes with two free candy cane brownie bars. You also get 25% off your orders all weekend long, and you can get an extra percent off with promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Don't forget, go to BuiltBar.com and get 25% off your order for Black Friday, and don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON for that extra percent off. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. Earlier, I spoke about some of the things that I've been thankful for as a Jets fan and as a Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast host. It's been a wonderful year already, and I'm really looking forward to this upcoming season, whatever shape or form it takes, and I'm really wanting to spend it with you. But of course, we also want to talk hockey now and then, even though that's the offseason and we're still thinking about ways to kind of stay engaged with NHL action. And one of the things that I thought would be a fun discussion topic is some of the best playmakers in hockey and in football. I often find myself comparing uh, soccer and football to ice hockey, of all things, because of how many similarities they often share. Not necessarily in the pace or speed, but in some ways I think they share a lot of similar concepts. Naturally, that leads to a lot of really interesting playmaking dynamics. We've already talked about some of the best goal scorers in both sports, but what about the people behind those goals? Are they the goal scorers themselves, or are there people pulling the strings that are maybe a little bit underappreciated, even though they're doing a lot of the heavy lifting and work to get the ball or puck into the net. When it comes to this kind of stuff, I think one of the first people I tend to think of in terms of Jets players is Matthew Perot. Perot is a guy who doesn't really stand out in the sense of being like a phenomenal goal scorer. What he seems to do is just really be industrious in creating space and attacking the net. It's not like our French guy hasn't put up decent numbers in the past, but when you watch him and, and see what he tends to produce he's not really somebody that records a ton of points on the score sheet but what he does do is have a really industrious engine that allows him to get into those really tight spaces and create opportunities either for himself or his opponents people often talk about fourth liners and third liners as energy players guys who come on and give you that extra bit of spark and really wear down your opponent but i actually think that matthew perot even though he's not really talked about in the same regard is that exact archetype What separates him from the grittier, grindier players is that he brings a really high dose of vision and skill and spatial awareness that a lot of the grindier players don't really have. Perot is brilliant when it comes to creating offense, and even though he's not really able to keep up as much as he used to, mostly because he's just getting older and obviously his body isn't in the same shape it used to be, you can still see him looking at the same spaces and opportunities he used to when he was in his prime. Perot, oddly enough, has some similarities to Marchand in the way that he likes to physically engage in front of the net and really get into those greasy, tighter areas where he can create a lot of chaos and havoc. Obviously, he's not the kind of person that uh, spears or really fights people as much as Marchand does, but he's not afraid to mix it up, and he has this sort of feisty edge to his game that adds so much more fun to a guy who I think has really been underappreciated for almost his entire career. He's an incredibly savvy player, he understands where he needs to be to create the highest danger opportunities, and he's got a really great set of hands. I think he has so much skill in the way that he distributes the puck and how he sets up his line mates for scoring opportunities that just really goes under the radar. 
I could sing Matthew Perot's praises all night, but obviously he's not the only really gifted playmaker that the Jets have that I think really needs a little bit more attention. I also turn my gaze to Nikolai Ehlers, who just presents one of the most fascinating offensive wingers in the entire league. I think what always sets Ehlers apart from a lot of the other really skilled playmakers that I've watched is that he has this ability to just seemingly dominate possession, right? So there are a lot of playmakers out there who are really strong on the puck, who make really great decisions, and who can really command the ice. And I feel like McKinnon is one of those players, but McKinnon is also really like a force. And because he has this explosive edge work that just allows him to beat anyone in the league, basically married to like an amazing shot, McKinnon is kind of like a rare golden goose. Ehlers isn't really the same kind of player. I think what Nick tries to do instead is create space by essentially lapping around and opening up different shooting and passing lanes and looking for those opportunities where maybe other players aren't really uh, focusing on yet. He's a very cerebral attacker in a lot of ways because he's not somebody who really physically engages, even though he has tried to drop the gloves before and obviously didn't go super well, but Nick is not a guy who really backs down from a challenge, but that's not his game. Most of what he wants to do is, is find those seams, create space by skating around opponents, and really looking to engage guys one-on-one -on -one once he feels like he's got the right isolation. It's not something that he does phenomenally often, but he likes to do it when he sees the right opportunity. Once he does, he can then drop below the face-off circles and close the distance to the goal, or set up one of his teammates for a very pretty uh, assist that he can pull off, which is very easy for him because he's got the vision and the hands to do it. There used to be a joke about him also being a little bit snake-bitten just because he couldn't score a goal for some reason. He's got all of the tool sets to do it, but for some reason it just really wasn't coming off, but nowadays he scores with pretty decent regularity, and I feel like he's just an all-around really well-rounded offensive threat and a creative playmaker. His hands, vision, and edge work all combine to make him one of the most creative catalysts in the league. Because he's so good on the puck in the offensive zone, it often means that his defensive duties don't really have to occur because he's spending all of the time in the opposing end. But he's not afraid to track back and defend when he needs to, and because he's got such great edge work, he's also really good at getting into better positions and occasionally blocking shots. It's not something that I really want to see him doing a lot just because A, it risks injury, and B, it kind of takes away from what you want from him. But the fact that he's so versatile and such a great two-way threat really, for me, exemplifies the, the idea of what a perfect playmaking attacker looks like. I, I think that there are very few players who match Nikolai Ehlers' level of skill, poise, and presence on the puck. That he wears a Winnipeg uniform is something that I am thankful for every day, regardless of whether it's Thanksgiving or not. As I mentioned earlier, though, you know, we see guys like Ehlers and Perot in hockey, but certainly players like this exist in sports like football which we'll talk about in just a moment. Before then, I did want to give you a heads up about our next episode, which is coming this weekend. We'll be talking about even more gifted playmakers, and hopefully we can find some guys who maybe from other teams aren't as appreciated as they should be, or even guys who are very easy picks because we all know who they are. They all have the reputation of being these incredible players, and maybe you're tired of hearing about them, but you'll have to hear about them one more time. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing tonight's episode out talking about some of the most gifted playmakers in world sports, and we've already talked about a couple of Winnipeg Jets players who easily make the playmaking list, uh, especially in terms of guys compared to their own teammates and across the league. I mean, Winnipeg is really blessed to have as many catalysts as it does. Just like in hockey, though, football has its own special playmakers, and there are a few out there who continually, for some reason, remain underappreciated or maybe even undervalued by a lot of people around the league or even by sports fans themselves. One guy who I think continually goes under the radar despite playing for some of the most high-profile clubs around is Tiago Alcantara. Tiago is one of those guys who I think 
really doesn't show up in the way that you would expect because he's a very cerebral player. Kind of like, uh, I don't know, Matthew Perot. Tiago's philosophy and approach, though, are very different because he likes to really hit long passes and stretch the field with incredible vision, excellent long ball distribution, and very clean passing that makes him a really versatile midfield threat. His spatial awareness isn't just limited to his nearby vicinity, it's basically the entire pitch. He seems to have a next-level understanding of where his teammates are, where his opponents are, and how to get the ball to his teammates through his opponents, which is honestly, you know, you would think it's a very simple task for most midfielders, but to be honest, in the way that Thiago was able to orchestrate things and the really demanding systems he's often had to play in, you really have to understand why he's something of a Spanish magician. This guy just does so many things on the ball and really understands how to fit into central area and creates so much offensive opportunities from it that it really begs the question of why he was so cheap moving to Liverpool and why Bayern let him go. This is a guy who I think was so pivotal to what Bayern wants to do that now that he's gone, there's an immediate difference in the way that Bayern are, are able to create offense. Sure, Bayern can still score tons of goals, but a lot of that was being orchestrated by Thiago on the back end. Obviously, the financials of football are at the scale of needing to sell players like this every now and then, but I really feel like this one was, for me, one of the most shocking departures and one that I'm not 100% sure I really agree with. I think Thiago was really important to what Bayern do on a regular basis, and now that he's gone, that team is just not as strong as it used to be. In Bayern's rivals at Dortmund, they've been creating a lot of buzz from some of the players that they've brought in, and they've actually added quite a bit of really creative playmaking talent and attacking talent, which is kind of crazy to talk about for a team that just seems to be, I don't know, obsessed with goal scoring goals and creating offense. This year's team has a lot more balance in that respect. They're definitely not scoring as many goals as they used to, but they're also not outperforming expected goals by crazy margins. And there's some you know, surprising consistency in the way that they're doing this, especially with some of the playmakers that they've been calling upon. And one of the guys who I really feel like doesn't get that much respect is Torgan Hazard. Now, a lot of you are probably familiar with uh, Hazard's brother, which is Eden from uh, well, both Chelsea and Real Madrid. And of course, Eden Hazard is one of the most talked about wingers in the entire world, certainly one of the most famous footballers around. But when it comes to Torgan, no one really seems to know who he is. And I think that that's in part because of the league that he plays in and also because his style is not as flashy and he's a more workmanlike player. But I actually think that Torgan is, in my mind, the more consistent and better all-around player. I think the way that Torgan approaches football is something that's very consistent, very repeatable, and very effective. You know, he creates really darting runs, he knows how to attack the box, his vision is good, his distribution is good, he's got pretty good shooting, he's got very good dribbling, especially engaging one-on-one -on -one with opposing defenders, he's got a, a bit of a shiftiness to him that I don't think a lot of people anticipated. He just does everything really well, and I feel like that creates a really well-balanced performance from him on a game-to-game -game basis where you can basically use him anywhere up top and you're going to get good results. He just doesn't really seem to have many bad games. Even his worst game, you would, ha you would have to say, is, is mostly just average performance. But when he's able to find those gaps and spaces in between defenses and key himself or his teammates in for great goal-scoring opportunities, I mean, Torgan is just an absolute menace. I feel like on a, a team with as many good scoring options as Dortmund has, the fact that Torgan regularly stands out as a space creator and a beautiful attacker really speaks to the amount of underrated skill he has. I think he's one of Dortmund's best wingers and, and creators, and I really feel like he just doesn't get that much appreciation despite being such a really consistent 
really strong performer. Dortmund may have an embarrassment of attacking riches, but Hazard, I think, is one of the most important guys on the team. I'd love to know what you guys think about this. Maybe you have some underrated and underappreciated playmakers that you want to talk about, so be sure to let me know at HLLivingLocal or at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. That's going to be it for us tonight on this episode, but on our next episode, of course, we'll be exploring more creators both in hockey and football. So stay tuned for that episode later this weekend. And before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato for news from all around the NHL. For tonight, though, that's me signing off. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.